Welcome to another edition of the Official Jets Podcast, powered by Amazon Web Services. On today's episode, we're going to talk all things Jets. So the Jets have reportedly made a couple moves on both sides of the ball, but today we're focusing on the offense. And the Jets have supposedly signed three offensive linemen, but Eric Allen and myself are going to digest and take a look at the entire roster, where things stand, who they've added they meaning the Jets, of course, and where the Jets could potentially and who they could potentially add as free agency continues on here. But first things first, EA, welcome back to the podcast. And Green, you know, good so, to see you, brother. Yeah, you too. Uh, like I said yesterday, and like you said, this is kind of like the Nirvana, you know, cooped up in the house all day. And now we finally get a chance to talk some football and actually some NFL news non-related to the players. Sean Payton is the first coach or first real uh, NFL executive to test positive for the coronavirus. And that just goes to show that everyone has to do their part to stay in their homes and keep washing your hands and doing everything they can to make sure that this virus gets curbed. Listen, this is impacting everybody in the world right now, and it's uh, hit the United States in full force. Uh, We're seeing more people. um, The numbers get bigger by the day because there were more test kits and we all got to take care of each other out there. And that's what Sean Payton said, that this deal is serious. Fortunately for the Saints head coach, Greens, it seems like his symptoms are minor and he's going to return and he's going to be okay. But with all that being said, there are, there are people uh, who are dying right now. And I just want to say the other thing is um, we got to applaud all the people who are working in the medical field right now, whether it be nurses or doctors and everything they do each day, especially with the pressure right now, because um, there's a lot of people going to the hospital. There's a lot of people in fear right now. And I just want to say that, uh, um, you know, we are fortunate that we have so many people in this country looking out for each other. Um, So Unfortunate news for Peyton, but on the positive side of the ledger, he's going to be okay. And hopefully everybody out there who is a Jets fan and an NFL fan is doing okay. We're going to get through this. Very well said. And let's take this. Let's focus on some Jets football, hopefully providing some light to Jets fans here and some sort of levity as we're all quarantined in our respective homes. So the Jets have reportedly made three offensive line moves. And we say reportedly because NFL teams can't technically officially do anything. So reportedly the Jets have signed George Fant, re-signed Alex Lewis, and signed Connor McGovern, which really solidifies the left side of the line, assuming George Fant is the left tackle and not right tackle, even though he has uh, experience at both positions. So let's just take a look at the offensive line before we move on to different positions. And I forgot to mention off the top, that Olivia Landis spoke to Bob Lashuz in the radio voice of the Jets and talked all things Jets. And so let's just start with the offensive line. Last season, the unit was ravaged by injuries. They had 11 different starters, like nine different starting combinations, and so many players went to IR and battled injuries throughout. But the way it stands right now, I would assume left to right would be George Fant, Alex Lewis, Connor McGovern, Brian Winters, and then Chuma Adoga, who would be entering his second season in 2020. Yeah, Greens. I mean, if you're playing tomorrow and the Jets aren't playing tomorrow, so I don't look at the offensive line as a finished product. And we know the way Joe Douglas operates, that's not the way he is going to attack this thing. But no surprise, because we've been talking about it all week. 
And this is, it feels like Reese. This is one of the longest professional and personal weeks I think a lot of us maybe have ever had. Yeah, uh, I have not been this excited for a weekend <laughs> in the season or even in the off season at, at work. But like, I feel like I need a break from just working from home, which sounds weird. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. So, Vance, the interesting thing that we didn't touch upon last night, it was almost like there was a mini trade here in free agency because Fant goes from Seattle to the Jets. That's what the news reports are right now. And Brandon Shell comes to an agreement yeah. with the Seattle Seahawks. So, um, conceivably, Shell will be starting on the right side for the Hawks next year, whereas Fant could start for the Jets on the left side. Again, I, I thought it was an intriguing move because here's a big guy who's played both left tackle and right tackle. He's got good feet. Anybody who plays college basketball at a Division One level like Fant did, does. And the other thing is, how are you going to develop this guy in your system when you bring him in to one Jets drive eventually? Hopefully it's sooner than later, Greens. Um, left guard? You got to figure this is Alex Lewis's uh, job, period. Mm -hmm. 12 starts last year. Uh, I consider him uh, one of the guys. Joe Douglas always talks about, I want guys who love football. Greens, you know it. This guy loves football. Yes, he does. Uh, yeah, and he's going to get after it. Now, at the center position, what I like with McGovern is even if he plays at guard, you all of a sudden at center – you got very good depth there because don't forget about Jonathan Harrison either because he is under contract. I thought he did some good things last year, but McGovern. And he also plays guard too, Jonathan Harrison. Exactly, exactly. So I think we think in terms of who's starting all the time. I think we have to think too what Joe Douglas is doing here is he's building depth as well, no matter who ultimately is your, your starters, your five. And then at right guard, Douglas was very complimentary. Brian Winters at the NFL Combine. We'll have to see how things shake out. Obviously, Winters has been here for a long time, one of the longest, one of the longest tenured New York Jets. And then at right tackle, you mentioned Chuma Adoga, a guy the previous regime drafted in the third round. He's another intriguing athlete. Um, but again, there is no period on the sentence with Douglas and. As we talked about last night, Greens, and you've been doing this draft deep dive for a long time. Listen, a lot of prospects, good offensive line prospects. There are draft experts who say, hey, you can get starting tackles in the second and third round. Maybe not this year, but those are guys who are going to develop ultimately into starting tackles. I know we think about in terms of that big four here in the 2020 draft class. And what I like about the big four in particular is if let's say the Jets uh, hypothetically do want to go with one of those four players at 11, meaning Andrew Thomas, Makai Becton, Tristan Wirfs, and Jedrick Wills, all those guys have experience on the right side of the line. And Andrew Thomas, Makai Becton played at left tackle at their respective schools, Makai Becton for Louisville and Andrew Thomas for Georgia. But both of those guys have started seasons on the right side, whereas Tristan Wirfs and Jedrick Wills, their primary home at the collegiate level was on the right side of the line. So let's say hypothetically, George Fant is your left tackle. The, any one of those four guys, if the Jets draft one of those four, 
come April or whenever the draft ends up being, if it changes, any one of those four guys, if they end up in green and white, have experience on the right side. And, you know, I, I think that with Joe Douglas and the offensive line, it sounds like quantity is important in addition to quality, but he definitely wants to have a lot of offensive linemen, especially if one goes down. I mean, you think about the Eagles, one of the top units in the league. So I wouldn't be surprised to see if Joe Douglas adds more free agents to the offensive line or even goes that route during the draft. Obviously, Joe Douglas will continue to add pieces moving forward along the offensive line and throughout the rest of the team. And tomorrow's podcast, not to look ahead, we're going to look at the defense, but we're going to continue to look at the offense right after we hear from Olivia Landis and Bob Wischusen, who caught up and talked all things Jets. Let's dive a little bit into the Jets, some free agency talk, and let's talk a little bit about Joe Douglas. Heading into this offseason, general manager Joe Douglas spoke a lot about how he wants to have certain areas of focus when heading into free agency and the offseason. Obviously, number one, uh, number one in his list was rebuilding the offensive line. Now, we've known that there have been some reports out there from multiple NFL analysts that the Jets have made some moves in free agency. What have been your initial thoughts on the moves Joe Douglas has made on the offensive line? Yeah, I think he has done exactly, every time I've talked to him, what he said he was going to do, philosophically. I mean, even when we were having these conversations six months ago, he wasn't 100% sure who would be available or how much player A, B, or C would cost, but he always said multiple things. Obviously, he is an offensive lineman, so he knows you have to build a brick wall in front of your young quarterback or you have no chance. And um, I think he's looking at each guy as having a price value, and if he can meet that price value with each specific guy, great. If he can't, well, then you move on to someone else. I, don't, I, I always believe that he has looked at free agency as kind of option two. Um, I, I think he looks at the draft still as if you're going to build a team, you're going to build it primarily through the draft. And so even with this remaking of the offensive line, you know, who knows how the top 10 picks go in front of him? But if one of those tackles is there at 11, I fully expect that that's probably the direction the Jets would go. Unless they've got one of these wide receivers like third on their board and the guy drops all the way down to 11 and you just have no choice but to take him because you can't believe he fell as far as he fell, I think they'll take an offensive lineman. And I think they'll look at the offensive lineman they take in the draft as their most important acquisition, not even any of the free agents. Well, like we already mentioned, we've heard some rumored trade signings that have ha- that have happened. We've heard NFL analysts report them around the league so far. But when you look at this free agency period where we're at right now, because it is such a weird time, you know, with people and players not being able to travel and everything, where does he go from here? What's the next move? Well, I think he's even waiting on a couple of the guys that are Jets, or at least could conceivably be Jets again. Um, And I think it kind of plays into his overall philosophy, like a Jordan Jenkins or a Robbie Anderson, guys like that. One name out there that everybody is wondering what's going to happen with from a pass rushing standpoint, because he seems to be clearly the most talented of the pass rushing group, Jadavian Clowney. And I think the Jets would be, of course, interested in a player like that if all of a sudden the market kind of dried up for him and it was a chance to bring him in at a reasonable price. And now maybe going forward, you know, kind of fits more to the framework of what they want to do. So 
I, I think they are content to sit back a little bit and see if some of these players fall to them rather than getting antsy, jumping up and throwing money that they don't want to throw or think maybe these guys either aren't quite worth or would upset the overall framework of what they want to do to fill out kind of the bulk of the roster. There's still a lot of guys out there in free agency. That second wave and third wave of free agency, sometimes people forget when those first 8, 10, 15 big names come off the board that there's another 50 players behind those guys that are also looking for contracts. And it kind of seems sometimes, in my personal opinion, when that second and third wave comes, maybe even this time it might be taking a little bit longer to come because we're in such a weird time frame with the virus going around. I don't know. 100%. Yeah. And and Robbie Anderson in and of himself is a really weird spot. It, it just I don't ever remember a player being a part of a position group that in the free agency world is so thin. There's like three or four legit top-notch wide receivers available in free agency in the exact same year that there is a draft class that is historic in terms of its talent and depth. So for every team out there that might be thinking about Robbie Anderson and Robbie Anderson's reps might be coming back and saying, hey, I think I'm worth X, that team is saying, well, not only are we not sure you're worth X, we think you're worth Y, but we could get a guy in the third round of the draft worth virtually nothing, at least for his first four years in the league, and he might be better than you. So all of this is that pot of trying to forecast the draft How many wide receivers do you have on your board? How deep does your talent pool go? All right, Robbie, here's the deal. We've got 25 receivers that we think we could draft in the first four rounds that all, I think, are going to be really good NFL players. But we also like you and think you're a really good NFL player. But we can't pay you what you might have gotten three years ago when there was maybe a dearth of wide receivers in the draft. It's, It's just a very weird kind of you know, alignment of the stars for Robbie Anderson. Before I let you go, Bob, uh, I wanted to get your input a little bit on quarterback Sam Darnold, obviously entering his third season in the NFL. We discussed this right before we came on the podcast, but, you know, also EA, Eric Allen, talked about it a little bit earlier today. Sam Darnold is now the longest tenured quarterback in the AFC East. Him and Josh Allen obviously both are from the same draft class, but he has more starting experience. Do you expect him to have a very big jump in year three and kind of bring that with him? I think if they put an offensive line in front of Sam Darnold that can protect him, then you're going to see him become the best quarterback in the division. And I think his ability level is different than anybody else. Now, who knows who the Dolphins are going to end up with? And they're probably going to end up with a rookie quarterback of their own this year. All of the signs point to them taking one of those top quarterbacks, probably Tua, if they can make it happen. Um, If you gave me my choice between Sam Darnold and Tua, I would take Sam Darnold. Um, So I, you know, I, I think their future is brighter as things stand right now than anybody in their division. And as scary as it is to say it, it's been 40 years since you can even maybe have that argument because 37 years ago, Dan Marino was drafted. And for the last 37 years, the Jets have had a Hall of Fame quarterback or two on the teams in their own division. And in 37 years, I think Sam Darnold's probably the best quarterback or the quarterback with the most promise that they've had in that entire time. 
So he needs to play all 16 games. He needs to stay healthy. He needs to take care of himself. He needs to um, prove that he can be, you know, from a durability standpoint, a guy that they can uh, count on every single week. But if he does that and they put a a wall of blockers in front of him and and give him some weapons, then, yeah, the last thing I'm worried about with the Jets is the quarterback. He's the least of their worries. Great to hear from Olivia and the voice of the Jets, Bob, with shoes in. Glad they're doing well in their respective quarantines. But let's talk about the rest of the Jets roster. Obviously, the offensive line, a focal point for Joe Douglas and the Jets, not only this season, but every year in which he is general manager of the New York Jets. And let's go to the quarterback now, because obviously it's Sam Darnold. That's not a question who's starting. But the guys behind him, there's only one guy under the, under contract, and that is Mike White, Trevor Simeon, an unrestricted free agent, and same with David Fales. So who are some guys that are on the market? Who are some guys that you think could make sense for the Jets? Wow, that's a great question because, uh, you know, what I go back to is the CBA greens is that you're going to yeah. see rosters effectively be 55 next year. So I think what you're going to see are a lot of teams go with a veteran quarterback behind you and then that developmental guy becomes a practice squad guy for you during the week so we'll have to see what happens with the Jets down the line but I would imagine they will be in the market for a veteran Um, Trevor Simeon unfortunately he wasn't able to take over when Darnold had the mono because he went down against the Cleveland Browns and that late hit from Miles Garrett so the Jets unfortunately last year They played four quarterbacks in the first four games, Greens. Here's the thing. Sam Darnold was 7-6 and as a starter last year. Over the past two years, when Sam Darnold doesn't start, you know the Jets record? Ooh, no, not off the top of my head. I don't. But I bet, bet, by the way you said it, it's a losing record. Zero and six. Uh, So what Joe Douglas is doing right now is he's trying to build that fortress around Sam Darnold. He wants to protect the goods. The guy who completed 62% of his passes last year threw for 3,000 yards. Excuse me, I'm getting excited. Um, Who I think is one of the most talented young quarterbacks in the NFL. With with that being said, um, it it traditionally means uh, a NFL season traditionally means you're going to, you're going to need a veteran backup quarterback because it's tough to start 16 games every year. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. No, no kidding. I actually, if we're just having fun and spitballing here, one name that I would keep an eye on. Are you going to say Flacco? Bingo. I'm saying <laughs> Joe Flacco, just because he's the guy that, uh, was founded essentially by Joe Douglas when he was on the Ravens out of Delaware. And he stood on, he, Joe Douglas, stood on the table for Flacco. And supposedly, reportedly, the Broncos are waiving him or releasing him with a failed physical designation. So we'll see what happens there. And yeah, I'm I, glad I think you brought up, uh, the, you're glad you brought up the Flacco um, release because of the failed injury designation. Here's the thing. If the Jets did have interest in bringing them in, again, it might be a little tricky for a while because that's yeah. a guy you're going to want to have a physical probably in your place, I would figure. Uh, yeah, but, 100%. But you're right. Joe Douglas, if you look back, he's the guy who found this dude out of Delaware and said, hey, Ozzy, I think we got a guy here and. Ravens ultimately take them and 
you know, Joe Flacco might have uh, prevented Adam Gase from getting the Super Bowl because if you remember the Baltimore Ravens <laughs> taking down the Denver Broncos a few years back. And okay, so let's just that's the quarterbacks. Let's branch out to the wide receivers because right now the Jets, the receivers under contract, a lot of questions. Quincy Anunwo, <laughs> will he be healthy? Robbie Anderson, not under contract. He's on the free agent market right now. Josh Bellamy's is under contract, Vincent Smith, Braxton Berrios. There's not a whole lot of receivers that have a whole lot of experience under contract. And obviously, if you look at the draft, this is something that – this is a class that is so deep, and it's supposed to be a historical draft class at wide receiver that the Jets, in theory, having four picks in the top 80, yeah. could come out if they drafted two wide receivers with – within the top 80, they could theoretically come out with two day one starters in 2020. Hold on, Greens. You're playing a lot of Madden. You're going two receivers in the top 80? <laughs> maybe. Maybe. <laughs> it, depending on what happens in free agency or how, how who gets drafted ahead. Like, let me ask you this. If four yep. tackles are gone by 11 and the trading back is not an option, what position do you think the Jets would go? Okay, I'm going back at you. Are okay. Judy, a Judy and Lamb on the board at eleven? You I don't have your pick of the litter at receiver at eleven because yeah. the four tackles in this scenario are off. No, I understand. I'm asking you if Judy and Lamb are on the board at eleven. Yes. Oh, you, yes, you, they are. Do you think that's ultimately going to happen? Well, I, oh, okay, okay. Yeah. You're, you're saying not in my scenario. You're yeah. saying ultimately. I think one of those, one of those guys, one or two, will will be off the board before eleven. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I think it's it's an interesting debate because of how rich this draft class is at receiver. Do you does a team want to take the first guy, or does the team feel okay with taking somebody in the top of the second round or the top half of the third round because you know that it's such a rich class? I think it's an interesting debate. Now, one team that I you know I think a couple teams could definitely take a receiver really after probably from seven to 11. Okay. I don't think, I think that's really where you would see one or two of those guys start to come off the board. Okay. Uh, This is all fascinating to me. Here's the catch. Joe Douglas is going to bring in at least one free agent receiver. Now I'm not, I'm not putting pressure on a guy. You just talked about the roster in terms of numbers and you mentioned the names. Well, I like where the Jets are at slot on that inside across the board because we talked about news outlets saying the Jets had agreed to terms with Brian Poole. I love that re-signing. And you got Jamison Crowder, who made such a tremendous impact last year. He knows how to find the soft spots in the zone. He also is effective against man coverage, and he can make plays down the field. You're set at slot position. Who are your guys on the boundary? There's an interesting free agent out there. Let me name him. Robbie Anderson. Oh, (laughs) I know that guy. So we'll have to see. You know, uh, Joe Douglas has been very complimentary of Robbie Anderson. So was Adam Gase. And and he is testing the market right now. We don't know what's happening. Um, But if if Robbie Anderson signs with someone else, then you're going to turn and pivot. And you've mentioned some of the guys out there. Um, Philip Dorsett, uh, Demarius Thomas, who was on this roster last year, came in and done, did a nice job for you, Greens. Sure. Especially, Perriman. yeah, 
Brashad Perryman, a former first-round pick who ended last year with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Three consecutive 100-yard games, so he was starting to turn the corner. Um, but I'm hearing a lot of these guys want to go play for Tom Brady right now. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, somebody that we have not talked about uh, recently really at all, Josh Doxson is under contract. I forgot about that. That was uh, one of the signings. Great, great point. And that's a former first-round pick. And, again, one of those low – under the radar moves, but again, value, potential value there. So one of the most popular names in terms of mock drafts in the third round of the Jets has been Florida State running back Cam Akers. Mm. And a lot of people think that he would be a good complement to Le'Veon Bell, add a little dynamic juice, maybe and yep. maybe a home run threat for Adam Gase and add speed like we were talking about. And before we wrap up here, just, trend, I, trend can, to get I would last... say Trent Cannon is still on the roster. And you mentioned yeah. a couple of the guys oh, and, still on the um, roster. Who, who and you Josh Adams, too. Your former Eagle. Yep. Yeah. So yep. Joe Douglas, very familiar with Josh Adams. He was one of the players that – he was one of four players that the Jets claimed when Joe Douglas took over as general manager. That was yep. like one of his first uh, avenues, as he liked to say, to add talent to this team. One of those players – was Braxton Berrios, who was second in the NFL at the end of the season and punt return average. So yeah, how about Joe, that? Great yeah, job by Brian Boyer. Exactly. This is Joe Douglas's first time going through an offseason as general manager of the Jets. And we're, like we said earlier, we're at the very beginning stages of free agency, even though it feels like we've been doing this forever. And we'll see what happens from now on. But many thanks to Olivia oh, and Bob. You- I got to say something real quick. Oh, yeah. Bring it on. Bring it on. We didn't talk about one position group on offense, and that was on purpose. Tight ends. That you uh, offensively, that is your most solid position, period. Um, Because you think about the depth. You think what you've already done there. You re-signed Ryan Griffin. Joe Douglas re-signed Ryan Griffin, who did it all for the Jets last year. And he's another good character guy. Loves ball. Um, Yep. You're knocking on wood that you get Chris Herndon back because that opens up things for Sam Darnold, and he brings an element of speed. You re-signed Daniel Brown before free agency started. So, listen, tight end position, lock it up. You're good there. Don't worry about it. I I totally agree with that. So, again, tomorrow's podcast – We'll do the same thing what we did with the offense, but we'll do it with the defense. And if anything else happens in free agency in regard to the Jets reportedly, then we will break that down as well. But again, many thanks to Olivia, Bob Wachusen, and EA. Thanks for hopping on again, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. Okay, brother.